All right, uh, lift off and the clock has started. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Discovery, go at throttle up. And lift off, the final lift off of Atlantis on the shoulders of the space shuttle. America will continue the dream. This is The Space Shot, episode 391, Wings Over the Rockies. I'm John Mulnix. I'm sure by now that most of you have seen the posts I've been writing for the Cosmosphere in celebration of the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11. In case you haven't heard about these, check out the show notes for a link to all of these posts on Facebook. Researching, writing, and finding pictures for all of these posts has taken up a lot of time over the past few months, which is why I've scaled back on the podcast. It's been a pretty big undertaking, and I just want to thank Michelle and everyone here at the Cosmosphere for letting me take on this project. It's been an awesome way to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11, and I hope that everyone enjoys reading these posts as much as I've loved making them. Thanks again to Michelle for coming up with the graphics and being a great editor and collaborator on all of these posts. I also have some news. I'm going to be giving a talk at a library in Colorado next week. My talk is titled From Apollo to Artemis and Beyond, and it's a look at the past, present, and future of lunar exploration. Be sure to check out the Space Shot Facebook page for more details on this event. Today we've got my conversation with Matthew Burchett. He's the curator at Wings Over the Rockies Museum. I was at the museum for the 50th anniversary of the launch of Apollo 11. Gene Kranz was giving a launch day talk, and we had some steak and eggs, and it was a fantastic morning. On a personal note, I was able to fist bump Gene Kranz and meet him, which was really just quite a treat. So thank you uh, to everyone at Wings Over the Rockies for hosting um, this event. I, I'm so, so happy I was able to meet him. Um, he was fighting a little bit of a cold, so there was no handshaking, just fist bumps, but that is perfectly fine with me. Now, for the rest of today's episode, let's check in with Matthew at Wings Over the Rockies. Today I'm talking with Matthew Burchette here at the Wings Over the Rockies Museum in beautiful and very sunny and hot Denver, Colorado. Matthew, welcome on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is pretty exciting. Podcasts are fun. You just you were just shooting a video uh, with Gene Kranz earlier. And boy, am I glad I am behind a microphone and not a camera. <laughs> um, a little bit easier. You know, that's our Behind the Wings video segment, which is now on PBS across the United States, which just blows me away that somebody would want to put me on television. But it started as just a way for us to get some of the what I call cocktail party knowledge out of my head um, and put it on YouTube. We had about 125 subscribers to our YouTube channel. And now, just over two years later, we have over 32,000. That's awesome. Um, And that's pretty exciting. No doubt. And so what we did is we just filmed me walking around the B-1 bomber, and we got inside it. And I talked a little bit about the history of the B-1 program and the particular aircraft we have here. And we put it up on YouTube, and people actually watched it. And we thought, you know what, why don't we put it out on the floor? So we hung a uh, video screen in the the bomb bay, 
and put a, a, some chairs up under there, a bench. And I was amazed that I kept seeing people stop and kind of watch and then sit down. And I went, wow, we're kind of onto something maybe. And so then we did one for the B-18. And, and, and the idea is, is that we always start with an aircraft here at Wings Over the Rockies. Okay. You know, so we've done the B-1, the B-18. Um, we're about to do the C-45. Um, we've done the A-7, the F-14 we just did. Um, and so we'll do something. Take, for example, the EA-6B. Uh, the Prowler. And so we talk about the Prowler and its history. And then, you know, we get to the point and say, gee, you know, the Prowler just got sunsetted not too long ago. I wonder what the Navy is using now. Mm -hmm. And then for our PBS episodes, we branch out and we go somewhere to see what is being used now. In this case, with the Prowler, we went up to Whidbey Island Naval Air Station in Washington State and filmed with uh, VAQ-134, the Garudas, which was actually the, the squadron that that gave us the uh, Prowler, and we filmed with them for three days, and it was awesome. awesome. Yeah, no it doubt. was amazing. I have never <laughs> been so close to afterburners as I was up there. I mean, it, I don't care how many earplugs and headphones you had on, nothing was stopping <laughs> that noise. On the smell, probably. Is oh awesome God! Oh too. yeah, that's yeah. The, that's what I love about being on like the ramp at an airport. It's oh just yeah! The so for geeks like like us, it was just a slice of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the series too because that's something that we'll be linking to it in the show notes. So oh, perfect! Can check Thank it out. Um, but you know, you're reaching an audience that otherwise might not be able to come into the museum and enjoy the you know the exhibits, the artifacts here. You know, talk about the importance of that in this day and age and reaching those other audiences. Yeah, you totally nailed it. That is exactly what we wanted to do because we, we realize that not everybody can get here. You know, even if we, we reached out to everybody in the Denver area and said, come to the museum, it's free today, you'd still not get people. Um, uh, most of our viewership obviously is from the United States, but second and third, honestly, are from Germany in Canada, mm -hmm. um, we get a ton of viewers and, and, and viewers from all over the globe. And it's a great way to get our mission out there to people that, that just normally couldn't come for who knows why. And what's really, really awesome is when you see all these comments on, on YouTube about, whoa, I had no idea you guys were there. I'm totally going to be in Denver next month for a business conference. I'm coming to see you. Yeah. Like, that's Great awesome. Advertising too. <laughs> I get stopped on the floor all the time by nice. people. Hey, I had a seven-hour layover at DIA. I knew you guys were here because of the videos. I just thought I'd come over. That's cool. Um, and, and the best ones are, are the kids, you know, when they, they stop you and go, you're that guy. <laughs> it's like, yes, I, I am that guy. You, too, could be that guy. I don't recommend it, but... <laughs> Well, you know, and this morning uh, with the breakfast, there was a lot of kids here. I think it was a really good view. You know, for those of uh, the listeners here, uh, it was a breakfast, the pre-flight breakfast with Gene Kranz this morning with some steak and eggs. And it was a really good mix of younger kids here at the museum, too. So it's not just reaching an older audience. Right. You guys are touching the lives of, you know, kids from kindergarten up to, you know, me, kind of a big kid. Yeah, right. yeah me too. <laughs> and that is so important because if you don't get the kids interested in aerospace and astronomy and science and math, as a human race, we're going to stagnate. 
You know, you always have to be moving forward. And that's what I love about the video series is, yeah, there's some of the early episodes are pretty over the top goofy. Um, We've kind of (laughs) dialed that back and I think we found our voice. Um, But how can you not be excited about aerospace? Um, I will go out on a limb and just say right here and now that I'm not really a space guy. Um, Never have been, but even not being a space guy to sit down with Gene Kranz and meet this man. Holy cow. That is so cool. And, and so if you can relate that kind of, information to younger audiences by them meeting people or by them getting excited by just me being kind of silly in front of a camera, but, but giving them some really good information, who knows what they could do later on. You never know what is going to trigger a young person or even a middle-aged or an older person. I mean, it's, it's just so important to, to get that information out there. Well, and you, what you're sharing is like the practical application of STEM fields. I mean, the STEM learning. So, you know, kids, if they are kind of mad at their math teacher for not <laughs> knowing right. you know, when they're going to use this in life, there's applications where you're going to use it in life. So it's good to kind of see that end result. Yes. What's been your favorite episode? Uh, behind the Wings? Behind the Wings, um, yeah. I mean, besides being able to be around the afterburners with the yeah, the, they do the F eighteen. It's the variant of the F eighteen. Yeah, isn't it? E, uh, the the uh, EF eighteen. Okay. Um, excuse me, EA eighteen Growler. Um, to to me, that was my absolute favorite. Probably right behind that was when we went to Minot. Okay. Um, and filmed with the B fifty two squadrons nice. up there. Um, at one point, we were standing right at the edge of the runway as B-52s were taxiing out to go on a, a training mission and the wingtip of these things just went right over us. And I went, I am getting to do some things that very few civilians get to do. Yeah. And for a geek like me, it was Awesome. It's a big airplane. That is a big yeah, airplane. Yeah. And what's so amazing is what we did is like I mentioned earlier, you know, we always try to bring it back to wing. So we, we went out to our B-52 out front, which was mm-hmm. built in 1955. Mm-hmm. So it's the second oldest B-52 in existence. Oh, my gosh. And so we crawled around, th- literally crawled from tail to nose. Um, it's kind of like being Indiana Jones. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, got up there, talked about the cockpit, which is still in great shape. And then we compared our 1955 cockpit to the cockpits of the B-52s that are flying today out of Minot, and there's very little difference. Yeah, they've got CRT screens in there. Sure. Um, But other than that, it looks almost identical. And these guys were built in 60 and 61 and 62. I remember reading somewhere, and correct me if I'm wrong, that when the B-52s are retired, some of them will be... Like the airframes will be like close to a hundred years old. That's one of the things that we talk about in the episode. Um, depending upon who you talk to, the 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 airframe will be retired in 2024 or later. Okay. And in some cases, some of those airframes will be over a hundred years old. So to put that into perspective, it would be like in 2018. 
one of our top of the line fighter squadrons doing a briefing and going, all right, boys, we're going out to our SPAD 8s. <laughs> you know, yeah. you think about it from 1918 to 2018, we'd still be using a SPAD or a Newport or a stop with Camel. It's like driving a Model T, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that this particular wow. aircraft has lasted so long. I mean, it's a huge tribute to Boeing and yeah. their engineers and in the structural rigidity of the aircraft and that kind of thing. It's just, it just boggles the mind. There's a great saying in the B-52 community, which stems back from a, a car commercial. Um, this isn't your grandfather's Oldsmobile. Okay. Um, and so the, the B-52 community says, this is your grandfather's B-52. Because in a lot of cases, it probably was. That's so cool. <laughs> and for families, you know, for military families, especially with all the Air Force bases out here in Colorado, that there is that kind of lineage that, you know, people can trace back family members that were flying, you know, 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. And to know that some of those aircraft are still operating is just it, just it really does boggle the mind because there's really nothing else out there that even comes close other than the Prowler. The Prowler did almost 50 years, which is really nuts. Well, and this morning, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the B-52 because when you, when you come out to the Wings Museum here, Wings Over the Rockies, you can walk under the B-52 and gives you a sense of scale about how big that aircraft is. And just yesterday I was actually up in um, driving to Fort Collins and I pulled over because I saw B-17 taxiing on the runway at the Fort Collins Loveland Airport. Yep. And I, I pulled over, got out of my car, got out, and it was just perfect timing where a B-17 flew over right overhead. And that's a big airplane and it's prop driven, but the B-52 is just... It's enormous. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. It really <laughs> is. Um, over 150 feet long. I mean, it's just... And it flies. And it flies. <laughs> and the one that we have out front used to reside in our hangar. Oh, that's an awesome. And so you that's stand awesome. in the hangar and you go, there's no way that plane would fit in here. But, but it did. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so if you had to pick a favorite, you know, I, I know that's like asking you to pick a favorite child. Yeah. If you had to pick a favorite aircraft on display here at the museum, what would it be? It... It's gonna, it come. It depends on the day. Okay. So it's either the F one hundred, or the EA six B. I just love the way the EA. We are really lucky in that we got what's known as the CAG bird. Okay. For VA one, VAQ one thirty four, um, and CAG stands for Commander Air Group. Yeah. So out of all the aircraft that were part of the air group on the HW Bush. This one, instead of being in low-vis markings where everything is gray, so the national insignia is gray, the, the tail numbers are in gray, this thing is full color. That's awesome. So the Garuda symbol is all in multiple colors. You know, it's got a big, huge red and yellow stripe down the side. It just looks cool, you know. And then I think the same thing with the F-100. Um, it's got green and white nose and tail bands it's just a really and the nose sharp looks look. great it's just cool now if it were up to me i would 120 percent have an f8 crusader in here because to me that is the coolest yep. looking jet ever that's the gull wing 
right? No, no. The, the Crusader is... Or that's the Corsair. That's my bad. Yeah, so the, the, the Crusader was... Think of an A7 Corsair okay. and just stretch it out. They called it the last of the gunfighters. And that was the one where, like, the engine's underneath. Like, it's got kind of a stubby nose. Yeah, but it's, it's, okay. it's literally just stretched out. It's like an A7 that they put on the rack. Okay. Um, and it flew in Vietnam, and Marine Corps units and Navy units used it, and it's just, there's something about that plane that just trips my trigger. And, man, I'd love to have one, but not easy to find anymore. Well, that's the kind of the sad thing, too, is, you know, as, you know, planes, you know, as, you know, museums start to acquire more and more aircraft, the pool of available airplanes that you can pull from starts to shrink. So, I mean, and for, for everybody listening, I mean, that's one of the awesome things about the Wings Over the Rockies Museum is there's quite a selection of aircraft out here. So it's cool to see different eras represented. Right. Um, like just walking back here to your office, there was a um, propeller driven. It was a bomber. I forget. Like, like a, a B-18. B-18 Bolo. And that is just, I, I hadn't seen Only about B-18. five yeah. of those left. Yeah. Um, and those were everywhere. And that was... Before World War II in the in the late 30s, that was going to be our heavy bomber, you know, in the next war. And thankfully, we realized two engines and 30 caliber machine guns ain't going to cut enough, it, yeah. you know. And so those poor aircraft were relegated to uh, anti-submarine warfare. Um, most of them were based out of the Caribbean and flew looking for subs, German submarines and stuff. But you know, we're really lucky to have that. There's yeah. just not a lot of those I've left. I've never seen one before, yeah. so yeah, that was, that was cool. Well, you know, for you personally, you know, what what do you think the future is going to hold um, for the museum and then for you going forward too as well? You know, I this museum I think has got such a great future. Um, we're behind the wings is really getting getting our name out there. Um, and that's really exciting because to me, I've been here almost 15 years. Um, and I, I walked into this place and went, wow, it's kind of a hidden little gym. Because like you were saying, we do have an amazing collection of aircraft. Yeah. We have almost the entire Century series. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know what that means. Um, we had every single one of them, including the F-106, and which is now at Peterson. So we're missing one now. But that's impressive. You don't see all of those aircraft together at once unless you're in Dayton or you know the Smithsonian even then um, and that was a ser- that was the series of jets it was basically F100 um, yep. through F106 perfect so 100 102 104 105 and 106 um, and so they called them the century because you know um, and then there's some others along there that, that never went in, into real production but the, the big ones are, are one through six um, so that's kind of exciting to be able to see that. And so I kind of knew that this is a neat little place. And then on top of that, just the fact that we're in a 1938 hangar with 180,000 square feet in here, that's pretty cool. The building itself is cool. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and now that we've opened a second location down at Centennial Airport where we can fly in aircraft, I mean, no pun intended, the sky's the limit. Yeah. You know, um, for myself, I, now that we're really getting going, 
am actually leaving the museum um, here in a, in a couple of weeks. I've gotten a, a job offer to be the senior curator at the Museum of Flight in Seattle, which still has not quite sunk in. Um, I know their former curator. Yeah, I know it's it's not working. I know their former curator, Dan Hagedorn, and he and I have, have been really good buddies over the years. Um, so to try and fill his shoes is just terrifying. You know, I, I can't do it and I'm not going to try. Um, but it's just a huge honor. And I'm very humbled to have, have been selected. Um, it's it's kind of a bittersweet thing because I really don't I'd love to, to stay here and continue to do behind the wings. And, you know, I, I'm never going to be happy with what I've done here at the museum. I see all the little nitpicky things that it's like, oh, if I just had more time and money, you know, could have done this. But to be able to work at Museum of Flight is just, I mean, that was top of the list, you know, if I was ever going to go anywhere and they reached out and I went, well, yeah, let's talk. (laughs) Why not? Life has a way of taking you where you need to go, so... I guess so. We hopefully that's what's happening now. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be great. Well, I look forward to seeing you up there at the oh, well, Museum thank you. of Flight. I I've been trying to get up there for the last couple of years, so now, it's, I'll now let you, know you got when a I come guy up. on the inside. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Matthew, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate. Oh, you it. bet. Thank you for having me. I have a call-in number now if you'd like to ask a question or leave a comment. Just call 720-772-7988 and leave a message. I'm looking forward to sharing any questions you have with the rest of our listeners. As always, links to everything we've talked about today are in the show notes. If you're new to the podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave a review. Apple podcast reviews help more people find out about the show and they make sure it reaches as many listeners as possible. Until next time, I'm John Mullnicks and I'll catch you on the flip side.